be back here good to hear your voice Ole. let's talk about mm, riffs mm, 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 should we mm, mm, la, yeah i just gotta get something off my chest all right okay we're have we're having a lockdown we're having a fucking lockdown man everything is closed except Oof. the essentials whatever that is i don't know uh it uh, bumps me out because i need to go to the hardware store to get stuff to renovate my apartment so we had to rush it today get all the stuff i think we have it all but uh, fuck it, it's stressing stressing me out horrible way to be shopping for things that you may not be like super familiar with or definitely not like versed within and you have to get it you know you have to get it all on that day because i mean when i grocery shop i i miss something every time one or two things yeah. i come back home it's like oh no co- no coffee you know <laughs> and then you know like, like, seeing this like in a hardware shop with no chance of <laughs> retry you know that sounds tough uh, luckily enough i have my good friend machil he's uh, driving his van around i'm like oh machil can you go get this thing uh only i need another thing can you go get this stuff and he just goes around and uh, never complains uh maybe it's because i pay him also but, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> it's part of what he has to do he's a better version of the cocaine taxi probably uh yeah i mean this is leading to something i think yeah and uh but yeah i'm 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 totally super into renovating uh we had a guy come over now to the apartment he uh, was okay with us breaking down a wall so maybe i will uh, i will record that sound of that and put it in one of our episodes just as a cool little thing and we also discovered we have a big space in the attic so uh Jonathan, mm. when you come visit you can live up there wow uh, that's awesome. yeah for sure man that's awesome. we'll make a little guest room for the, the riff meisters, meisters of the north <laughs> attics are great <laughs> guest rooms too you feel really good in an attic yeah. like a basement you gotta get used to that particular basement whereas an attic is always as long as it's not too cold it's, it's a great place to to fall asleep mm. i think and you have or too warm <laughs> or to what or too warm <laughs> or too warm or to riff i thought he was gonna say but yeah or, there's or there's other riff. things going on over here as well i guess we're kind of uh you know two steps behind uh the mm. netherlands at all times so now it's kind of uh, weak lockdown i guess you know recommendation type lockdown i received a text message mm. this morning from the actual government mm. that never happened yeah. in my whole life like hey mean the hit and i mean yeah i mean it, it was I would say quite poorly presented. It felt like they had to do it. You know, like someone told them that you're not a good government if you don't inform the people. So it says, MSB. Information from myndigheterna. Följ de skärpta råden för att stoppa spridningen av covid-19. Läs mer på webbplatsen krisinformation. And there's no link to this web space. They asked me, they basically prompted me to look up the um, the web space for crisis info on the government side oh, yeah. but there's no link it just says less mer read more but yeah first time receiving a text from the swedish government and not even a meme to uh, uh no meme off. no meme yeah, okay. should, which meme should they have used uh, i don't know maybe you're no, not they would have the the dog with in the burning building this is fine <laughs> the dog in the burning with coffee yeah <laughs> and that one is great is that a swedish artist yeah. it looks like a Swedish artist drew, drew that. Though. I don't know. I thought it was something like Adventure Time. Oh, maybe, yeah. Uh, or something like this. I have no idea what it is, but uh, it's it's a good one. But yeah, I, I didn't receive. I have, still have a Swedish number that I have for some 
some reason. You mm -hmm. know, when okay. sometimes when I call Sweden on my Dutch number, no one picks up. Right. Because <laughs> they think it's someone trying to scam them. Pretty so that, that's why I have my <laughs> Swedish number paid 20 euros extra. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid. All right. I will quit it. Information professional. Yeah, but I was expecting to get that uh, message as well. But I didn't. So I guess I just have to make do with the lockdown, lockdown. over here. Lockdown edition. Lockdown. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's starting to get tough to even have a perspective on this thing now. Uh, especially yeah. when recording a podcast and you're thinking, is this yesterday's news at some point? Because that's really hard to imagine how it could be yesterday's news. Uh, yeah, but I, I was just even then people like, have to know, right? People will know in twenty years too that this had, had been going on, probably, right? Yeah. Well, I was thinking just before uh, when I back to the studio to start recording with you. Um, I was thinking, like, is this pod really about uh, riffs, or is it really a, like a conversation between friends, or is it really, you know, like a uh, a product of the pandemic? Like, is this is it about the pandemic even? <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe I, we will stop I did have the idea. I, I thought about this today too. I did have the idea before uh, COVID was a thing, but uh, obviously it, it became a catalyst, I guess, to to really get going. Yeah, and it's kind of like a, in the background, you know. It's a smart, uh, you know, way of like getting some tension in that. Uh, if you listen to this in twenty years, or if you listen to it in a time where you don't you don't know nothing, but there is like. But or maybe rather, you know what happened later. You know what happened. Mm, yeah. You next. know the big, the big day. The, the big, yeah. The, the 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 like the day when everything went to shit. You know when the when uh, the world ended for the first time. Yeah. Because of this, you know. And then, and as, then we, as we said before, this. they found the USB drive or something with this, with these riffs on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Continue. And they have, and and it is like a, a droning like. Yeah, so Jonathan, uh, nice to hear your voice again. Let's uh, do some riffs. And it just goes on, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the droning, the droning represents what? Uh, uh, the corona. Ah. And it has this little uh, meg megadeth Megadeth style. Oh yeah, Dawn Patrol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right, Dawn Patrol. Dawn Patrol is a Corona song. It works as such. Yeah, I mean that's that's quite something, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, so looking at it like that oh man I, I really had my mic turned up I hope this didn't sound like crap but I'm very sorry I turned it down now I think it it, it looks better in the equalizer now oh, okay alright yeah that <laughs> I could think probably be you, you'll have to fix it you have to fix it in post yep <laughs> well, that could be alright you yep. could be a corona robot in the beginning like representing yeah. a, a government division of genetic control or something like that <laughs> Well, I'm 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 sitting here with the with the bass, and the bass is such a funny instrument. I think. I mean, yeah. um, I I don't know. Like, we, I, I we haven't talked so much about it because we were mostly sitting with our guitars. But when you sit with the bass, you want to do like this funky stuff, like just uh, you know, yeah, hitting the like laying some foundation. Uh, to the conversation, you know, you feel like you you want to go in and do like this slapping around and being a bit obnoxious, but but you shouldn't because that's not the bass man's role, you know. Often often is to be in the background, like kind of without out, just outside the spotlight. Yeah. Um, but then when you find like this chunky bass line, you know, the bass riff, uh, it has a totally different flavor than. Uh, than the guitar riff. Yeah, I like uh, I like the idea of the bass player maybe not being low in the mix, but staying out mm. of uh, too much of the space, the musical space, so that you yeah. bring in pauses are very important when you play bass because if there's no pause, there's going to be a constant wobbling of bass, uh, yeah. unless you completely EQ that away. But uh, I like the bass that's loud and proud, but you know 
has its pocket. I think that's the best one, and that makes me maybe not so f- fond of not so fond of playing metal on a bass. I prefer playing mm. other genres on bass because they are more, in my opinion, maybe more bass friendly. Whereas metal, you just kind of uh, usually. I mean, obviously there are many many exceptions to this, but usually you just kind of uh, doing the riffs on one string, right? And uh, yeah. there's not enough pause, so you have to turn the the actual sub bass down and add the distortion probably, and then it's just a guitar, you know. Exactly. No, but it, but then sometimes like you find this uh, mm, this really like groovy bassline that you can't stop playing even though it's like 15 years since you heard it the first time. Hmm. And that is the riff I brought today. But I don't want to start actually. Uh, okay, I thought that cool. would just be a little teaser right. trailer of what's to come. So Good thinking. Um, uh, are you ready? I am very ready, yeah. I was happy to find this riff. Again, I've been bragging about my list of 14 riffs in it, but uh, yeah. it's still there. I haven't cancelled any of them, and this is from that list. But, uh, it's, you know, it's all. it also depends on the mood of the day uh, and uh, what I want to talk about. And also, yeah, if I can, in this case, actually, it's also about being able to play fast enough. Uh, it's a quite fast riff. <laughs> but I was oh, wow. working on this cover all day yesterday, uh, Bury Your Dead, a haunted song with a drummer friend of mine and that's super fast uh, so i i think i've got the speed up and this is fast in a different manner so a little bit different and the, the setup for this is mm-hmm. that this band recently received a prestigious reward from national biblioteket in norway the national library okay. so this uh, this riff kind of sits in together with the riff i opened the episode with uh, grieg hall of the mountain king so this one has now taken position next to it, but it's not as old. It's also not that new. So it goes like this. Transylvanian hunger. That's right. Dark Throne. Dark Throne. With our who? Who's in the band? Our podcast colleague. <laughs> That's right. Our podcast colleague. If we keep saying it, it may become true. Uh, yeah. Fenris. But also, actually, he has a name, right? He's not only this nickname, this uh, mythological wolf creature. Uh, his name is Gulven Nagel, actually. Gulven Nagel? Yeah. Works in the post office still, I think. <laughs> that's why this band doesn't have to be that commercial because uh, they are making money on the side and today they consist of only two members do you know the other fella on the singing and uh, guitar and bass yeah i don't actually uh, it's uh, nocturno culto or ted Schellum. nocturno culto yeah, I yeah. recognize the name immediately when you say it. Um, on Transylvanian Hunger is, is the first album when it was only those two guys that are now synonymous with what Dark Throne is. And it was released in 93, I do believe. Oh, yeah. And uh, they recently got... No, it's 94, actually. They recently got rid of um, their other guitarist, Ivar Enger, or Sephiros, who was <laughs> on guitar Sephiros, <laughs> Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> Hello. 87 Hello. until 93. <laughs> Uh, he was the guitarist, so uh, you know it's it's definitely kind of project band. Uh, they've completely stopped playing live since forever, basically. So in a way, they could be the Beatles of true Norwegian black metal, I guess. Uh, do you have any initial comments on this on this act? Um, yeah, I, I have a good one, but uh, I have. Uh, I mean, also it's like the 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 name that um, uh, the name that kind of. The kind of first name I heard in the in the Norwegian black metal scene, Dark Throne. I think it was the first ever black metal logo I saw as well. Mm, it's a classic. Uh, before, I would say. Bef- yeah, before Mayhem, before uh, well, way before Satyricon. Um, yeah, it, it's a good one. Also, it's kind of the quintessential. Um, um, the quintessential, the quintessence, isn't that a Dark Throne song? 
Yeah, that's a that's a song by them. You're right. Yeah, uh, I learned that riff actually. Uh, whatever, maybe come back. Um, and uh, I, I remember I borrowed uh, the Dark, uh, Dark Throne uh, Transylvanian Hunger from Yusef, <laughs> my very dark, my darkest friend. Let's say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was listening to it. I was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." Uh, but then I also remember that you and my brother made a uh, a cover version of Transylvanian Hunger. Yes, as a two piece with me on drums, actually. Yeah, with a super brutal synth that comes in. All right, uh, <laughs> and it basically sounds uh, the same. <laughs> it's yeah, really we, close. We, we got pretty close. We got pretty close. And uh, you know, really the sound close. the sound is an interesting aspect of Dark Throne that you have to get into, I guess kind of immediately this kind of super raw uh, you would you would think of it as the typical true black metal sound but they didn't start like that i guess like uh, casual listeners might not know that when they started in late 87 it was basically a death metal band and they uh, did their first recording their first full length album uh, which was called soulside journey in the 1990 and they went up here to stockholm to do it to get that kind of entombed, you know, sunlight studio, Thomas Cooksberg sound going. Cool riff. Super fat, super fat riff. Quintessence by yeah. Dark Throne uh, yeah. works on the bass as well. I don't remember which album that was even. Uh, also yeah, it's uh, early, it's the um, uh, what is it called? Uh, what are the albums called? Actually, <laughs> I yeah. can't remember. I mean, we, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to go through the first four. They've released a shit ton. Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. the Souls Are Journey, kind of typical Stockholm death metal, following a trend, you could say, but it's a good album. And then the second album, full length, that is, is A Blaze in the Northern Sky. And it's the one that mm. got uh, inducted by the National Library in Norway. And that's kind of where they started to find this more primitive sound that they've been, you know, become really famous for. Uh, that one, and then Under a Funeral Moon, and then you hit Transylvanian Hunger, where I picked this riff from, which is kind of, you know, well into the Dark Throne that we all kind of know today. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think uh, Quintessence is off Panzerfaust. Okay, it's the uh, album after. A really good album. Really good album, actually. Should check that out. I haven't really gone through it all yet. I mean, later in their career, they kind of went, you know, a little bit balaur, kukaur, <laughs> and you know, started doing joke joke music with like joke music. Canadian metal, <laughs> for example, where they sing <laughs> Canadian metal. I don't give a fuck. I was raised on rock. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's 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 uh, such a, a genre steeped in seriousness and pretension, and it's very refreshing when uh, Dark Throne just do whatever they please. Yeah. Uh, but also, like after they showed that, like they know this thing. I mean, they have they have the shops. They 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 make the most brutal, most uh, eviscerated soundscapes ever, and then they kind of yeah. you know. Ah, maybe we should try something else and uh, should we call ourselves something else no 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 yeah <laughs> we have a band we have a name let's just uh make some money off this rock and roll album yeah and i think that's pretty okay i mean i'm counting here because i don't know actually one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen eighteen full-length records <laughs> So, you know, oh, they, they yeah, have wow. been active. And uh, the last one, Old Star, was a resurgence for me. Really good album. Quite a bit of uh, heavy metal, British heavy metal influence in there, but with a Dark Throne touch. Uh, Duke of mm. Gloat, a really good song on that one. <laughs> uh, and uh, my first uh, song with them, aside from Transylvanian Hunger, was Too Old, Too Cold. And that was kind of mm. during the joke era, right? It's a funny title. <laughs> too Old, Too Cold, <laughs> but... I I, I know you you uh, you often come back to that title. I think that's something you you really like. Mm. I mean, it sits yeah. there. It sits good there. It does. It does. Too, yeah. 
Too old, too cold. Yeah, considering they weren't even black metal at the start, they're actually not part of the first black metal movement and kind of late even in the second one, sort of. Mm -hmm. Mayhem was already uh, up and running. Uh, you had Celtic Frost, which is not technically black metal, but uh, they all listened to it. Bathory, here from Sweden. All the, those guys were active in the 80s, doing some variation of what you could call black metal. But I think yeah. uh, Dark Throne really kind of latched on as maybe one of the big survivors of the genre and definitely like kind of representing the whole thing i think when you see fenris mm. you know that okay it's going to be a lot of metal nerdery and uh, good stuff coming <laughs> coming your way uh, and the other guy ted uh, nocturno he's more like uh, hidden he's never really in interviews and he, he moved off to the city very early on like in the early 90s mostly stays out there with family i think but i'm not sure uh, i haven't really looked into his personal life or anything but he was happy to receive this reward and he he, he looked really honored to do it mm. well i i always uh saw the the black metal uh, black metal musicians often as this guy that go på tur yeah. uh, up i fjella that they go with their uh, fjällräven backpacks up in the mountains and they pick twigs and then they with the twigs they make their uh, black metal logos in the snow, and then they take a photograph, and then they go home, yeah. uh, drink some warm chocolate, and uh, yeah, play some guitar. I think that's like how I view it. That's my romantic. Uh, I think it's side not it. so far from it, really. I mean, obviously, it, it's been deviating over the years, becoming many other mm. things. You know, as the more yeah. commercial bands like uh, Cradle of Filth from England, uh, also some country friends made it really polished, uh, like. Um, Dimi Borg, for example, really aiming for oh, yeah. this pop goth audience. And to many, it's almost a parody of, of the genre. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that. Uh, but I do prefer the little, maybe a little bit rawer bands. And I like that Mayhem, no, I mean Dark Throne, uh, always uh, have been forbidding um, their label, Peaceville, to send their songs to any type of competitions. They don't want anything to do with Grammys or, you know, radio awards and stuff but they were happy to have this one reward coming in from from the national library so i mean they are good at i think curating what they are and keeping their style if you like it you like it if you don't that's all right too but they are uh, trustworthy i think in what they do yeah uh, but i want to ask you because um i mean they, they exist in a space where there's a lot of uh rumors legend and myth and like a kind of real darkness right. taking place and I, I was wondering I, I don't really know like what was uh, what is Fenris take on that part of black metal like what happened with Mayhem and yeah I mean Rolos he's he's this kind of guy that he's almost like a, a guy that every side likes him like uh, there's really no one that dislikes him and he mm -hmm. kind of digs the other guys too. He's a friend of, not no longer, but he was a friend of uh, Burtsum Varvikenes and has been quoted to say that he was a great guy and everything. But still, he was kind of not involved in many of these things. There's one, but there's mm -hmm. one story when Varvik came to visit him and he was so, uh, at the time, so uh, paranoid that he, he, and he was invited to come get a, a CD in a car. And it's like, okay, I'll, I'll get the CD, but I'm going to bring this along. And he brought an axe along with him, <laughs> just in case, you know. But there was nothing as such, but uh, strange time. And they were all kids also, you have to remember, like, this whole thing, this myth. If you live in El Salvador or something, it seems like, mm. you know, real trolls uh, in the woods. But these were, you know, bored <laughs> suburban kids uh, for yeah. the most part. and More like punks, really. But it took some weird turns, and maybe because of the state the country was in, and possibly how boring it may have been to live in in and around Oslo in those times. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking now, like what what kind of music will spring out of? Um, I'm, I'm back again, but I was listening to the radio about uh, the Corona hotels uh, in Oslo. Like if you return to Oslo uh, or Norway via. Uh, to to the airport, you you have to stay at the Corona Hotel for ten days, uh, which costs like uh, fifty euros a, a night, which in the end becomes like five hundred euros, and you're you're locked in, 
and you can get like uh, depending on how you behave you can get like penalties you can get locked in you can't uh, you get like restricted mm. access to uh, to go out and it, it's like such a weird it's very harsh um it's not like you can return home and like sit uh, being quarantined at home you have to stay for 10 days mm. um and I, i'm wondering this like a kind of new the new boring lifestyle, the new indoor lifestyle of Norway, because it's it's a much uh, harsher um, corona rules going yeah. on. And I wonder if some kids will react sort of like, uh, yeah, the bored uh, mountain dwellers, the trolls of yeah. the early 90s. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe. And that could be for other countries too. Like uh, They're quite locked up in the UK and in the States too. I'm not, I'm not sure about it. How, how the situation is exactly today mm. but at least they have been there could be a new wave of <laughs> bored kids with guitars i guess it's not impossible uh, yeah th- no there's definitely uh, definitely a lot of music being made this yeah. year uh, yeah. a lot of super much a lot of music being released it's been very good um, uh, a lot of good music for me it's been a metal yeah. year so i mostly looked at that but maybe you you've discovered mm. some other branches too uh, I know not really. It's like my my like my the bands that I like release uh, yeah. stuff. Atomic Swing. Yeah, uh, I don't know really what happened with that. Is that uh, was there a whole album released? Oh yeah, or? right. It was just a single at the time, even in summer. Yeah. So we'll look into that after this nice. show. <laughs> That's a good riff, actually. Maybe we should bring in uh, bring in that one. Yeah, uh, some uh, fresh off the presses. Uh, but yeah, back to Norway, back to the 90s, uh, back to the song Transylvanian Hunger. Back to the riff, possibly a little bit. Definitely. Uh, the actual riff. Yeah, please. Uh, let's see if I can play fast enough. It was harder than I thought to play this kind of style alone here in a, in a radio studio. Let's get the speed up. kind of relies on this very A minor type melody with the A pedal note being tremolo picked at the same time. No? Very basic, that main melody, three notes. But uh, with those underlying chords and then you switch to E in the bottom, you get that broken, kind of like uh, Moonshine, Iron Maiden. No? Yeah. And then, of course, that very black metal sounding part with the Diabolus um, in music again, the lower fifth. And then ties back quite cleverly with the. So it's a well composed riff, I must say. I, I understand yeah. why your brother initially like really liked it very quickly and showed it to me mm. way back, uh, 20 years back almost. <laughs> it it's uh it's definitely that uh, Diabolus in Musica part that's like every satiricon song. Right. right. They they kind of <laughs> simplified it in another way later, like with them um, coming with a bit of that black and roll type thing. That All right. Of, yeah. Good band too. Good band too. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit back to the controversy as well um, with these guys, because yes. uh, that's always interesting. And I, I did meet uh, a few of the Mayhem guys a couple of times, because I have a friend in, in the music scene in Norway who he lives in this, he lives in a farm, but he has a water mill, and Mella, a water mill, where he has a built-in stage and studio. So he, he does a lot of, uh, he does his small festivals and he records a lot of music, even outside of... Uh, of uh, black metal, he recorded stuff like uh, Timbuktu, for example, R- made like produced three songs there. And uh, so I met uh, the guys, and most of them now are, you know, 40s, 50s, and kind of normal. You <laughs> know, they have kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's nothing left of that uh, really dark darkness, if you will. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's what I heard. It's like if you. 
if you're violent, you know, if you're violent when you're maybe 18, 20, you get into a lot of fights. I mean, either you, you know, it goes so far that you die, you know, or become right. a criminal. But if you like get past that, you lose all that intensity when you get older. It's like you really get over it. But I think that can also be, you know, it, it's a very human thing also. It doesn't have to be violence, but it can be this intensity that you have uh, when, you're, when you're young, when you're a teenager, but also around 20, uh, when everything is so strong, when everything is uh, so important, you know, when, when a small thing can really escalate into right. uh, bloodshed or maybe just a broken heart, you know, but the older you get, <laughs> the like, more uh, jaded, the maybe you've seen it all, you know, like, and it's kind of nice. I'm, I'm there, I would say, yeah. but uh, I'm yeah. experiencing life a bit uh, slower these days in a way, but uh, yeah. I like that transition too, and I think also that you're more jaded, but also maybe you are more you care a little bit more about what you project to other people and how you make other people's, yeah. uh, how you alter other people's day. Mm. Uh, you care yeah. a little bit more about that and you may not want to retaliate so much anymore. Mm. Uh, that's a feeling I get anyway, and it's good. Retaliation is not the best thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it can easily exaggerate a situation, right? Uh, retaliation. You, yeah. you you try and hit the same level of, uh, of uh, I don't know, humiliation or something, and you mm. you hit it harder, higher. And it escalates, yeah. right? I always felt that, like, for instance, now, okay, a bit political, but uh, <laughs> the trajectory of a typical Swedish skinhead, Nazi skinhead, is that he fi he fights and uh, gets into trouble and, you know, does something really bad, but then he ends up, like, going around schools in Sweden teaching people why they, uh, students, why they shouldn't become Nazis. That's, like, the trajectory. Right. <laughs> so, Pretty that's much. their life, you know. It's, it's going there. I mean, you, who the fuck uh, like can stay a skinhead when they're forty and like they see their the whole life? I mean, that's really sad. That's uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I agree, and it's strange, and you see those, but uh, rarely, you know, those old men with a maybe with a uh, pitbull pitbull dog, and uh, you know, just yeah. Yeah. they. I think without getting further into that, they don't look super happy generally. No, no. I mean, I think, I think. Uh, well, I don't know what I think. I think Fender has figured it out. He figured it out that uh, I mean, there is, uh, there is something other than just like uh, projecting your angst towards other people. That I mean, you can also kind of step outside yourself a little bit, right? And, uh, take it for what it is. And uh, and enjoy and enjoy it actually. Enjoy I think it, he yeah. enjoys making music. Definitely, and you know him stepping off stage probably took away a lot of the stress too, right? Only making yeah. music. Mm. And uh, a lot of these bands, they are they have like an image worldwide, which is quite far from the truth. You know, people see videos like, for example, Hell uh, No Necro Butcher from uh, Mayhem, uh. who was in this What's in the Bag, Amoeba Music, in LA. Yeah. Yeah, have, you, yeah. have you seen that show? You know, they, they pick a few records and talk about them. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I got a lot of good tips. Right. And he picks, you know, it's stuff like Talking Heads. He loves that band. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but it's a lot of these kind of alternative semi-electronic stuff from the 80s. And yeah, everyone is everyone's amazed in the up. comments like, wow, so he listens to other stuff than metal. And then and someone comes in and like, he pretty much listens to what a 42-year-old Norwegian music dude listens to. <laughs> No. Yeah, it's Duran Duran is in the mix, and you know all that kind of stuff. And uh, Fenris likes uh, house music. He he DJ's house music sometimes. Uh, good house music too. Like it's a good mm. selection. But he said that he purposefully didn't learn too much about these artists or the the methods behind the music. He just picks the songs because he said that knowing all he knows about metal is not always a strength. Like sometimes it's a bit of a problem for him. Yeah, I, I don't agree. I like I love trivia. That's why I have this podcast talking about <laughs> riffs. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't yeah. mind being under the hood. But what's your comment on that? But that's kind of how it is, right? You you master something, and uh, it becomes like the thing that you do, but not the, maybe not the thing that you are uh, that makes you excited. Uh, maybe not the thing that you love, but you have to kind of always go forward and not stay in the same. Um, 
No, not stay, stand there stamping your feet at the same uh, spot. It's better yeah. in Swedish. But I, I think that's uh, that's right. I mean, uh, you can always find your way back. I think I've done. I've 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 found my way back to metal many times, and then I strayed away. A good way of living your life. Yeah, I mean, no. uh, I guess so. And I think uh, with, with regards to knowing a lot, I I think it could be personal because I really like to know a lot of information. It doesn't bother me with with knowing a lot of what what the artist did and everything like that. Uh, it mm. kind of comes with it, but also I like to move around a lot, you know, from genre to genre, uh, as you were addressing. And uh, this could also be a good opportunity to possibly move from black metal to something else, unless you picked a black metal riff for your bass. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish that I, I had picked uh, Quintessence, such a good riff. That was cool. Let's, uh, let's hear that again. Instead of me playing uh, out the Dark Throne segment with my riff, let's play it out with uh, the Quintessence riff on a bass. Let's see, let's see, let's see. It's a good riff. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that riff. I had almost forgotten it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really shows them straying a bit outside um, their uh, the roots. I mean, it's so different from Transylvanian Hunger, which I I must say it's a great fucking riff. It's so I think that's like quintessential black metal to me. Yeah. Uh, while quintessence is. Uh, I don't know. This is just like a proof that Dark Throne has so much to give, but still very um, primitive, right? It has this from you know, kind of Celtic Frost super, type, uh, super primitive. I mean, it's yeah. almost it's super slow. It's super heavy. Uh, no frills. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it makes me happy that there are bands like that does this kind of music. Um, yeah, great. Pick yeah. some black metal. Pick some friendly. So I hope he listens, uh, black metal colleague. Maybe uh, yeah. invite us to your show. Cheers yeah. to cheers to Mr. Colleague. <laughs> his show Podcast is colleague. these days. His show is, is in, in English, in in Norwegian. But I know he had one in English before as well. So. Okay. For you international listeners that might enjoy that. Listens. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, new territory. Uh, maybe maybe this is kind of the uh, another contrast episode. Cool. Uh, could could be. Could be. You have to imagine, dear listener. I'm sitting with my uh, duvet jacket inside. It's very cold. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm gonna try to warm myself with this riff and warm you, dear listener, as well. All right. <laughs> Yeah, as you usually do when I play a fat metal riff, you say that you can't see me right now, but I'm doing the horns and headbanging. And you can't see me <laughs> right now, but I'm closing my eyes and really sinking into this. I love this riff. It's one of my favorite mm. riffs ever. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I think it's so good. A friend of mine said, which means always a mood enrichener, you could say, you know, it enriches, yeah, it has a just really, really nice mood in it. You can listen to this song over and over. It was one of my most played songs the year I discovered it and like th three years after. Uh, it's by a, another French um, kind of electronic music group uh, called Air. Yeah. The song is Le Femme d'Argent. Exactly. Like a money, money lady. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a silver woman, it means, actually. Uh, oh, okay. Argent is uh, silver and uh, la femme d'argent. But, but exactly, yeah, air. La air. femme d'argent. Uh, fantastic song. And, so uh, good. So good. and the, riff, the bass riff is just like... Mm. Mm, don't you think? Yeah, don't yeah, you think I, it's yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, again, one of my favorite riffs ever, and it's not really that uh, odd or anything. It's very kind of simple, box-like, but uh, maybe the perfect tempo and groove to it. Really, uh, mm. a feeling for feeling, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's super simple. Like the the chords above it is like uh, like a and it just like takes this uh it's like a very a very uh jam based song it feels like you're in a in a rehearsal space with this uh very talented musicians on the on various instruments like changing over trying new things uh it kind of just evolves and that's then always uh, goes back to the main riff uh, the main bass riff, and then uh, it goes out in this little like plunky, plunky, uh, very airy keyboards, something like this, you know. Yeah, uh, and it's an extremely like uh, laid back listen, um, very pleasing production. Yeah, and I always, uh, I always noodle this. Uh, this riff, you know, when I'm on, I find, I find myself sitting with the bass, I just like, you know. And why wouldn't I? I mean, it's so, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's really nice. Or like a, so, um, I, w- I would like to ask you, you know, like what is, is there a difference between a bass riff and a riff uh, made for the guitar? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Let's uh, get a feeling of this riff then. I'll turn off a few of these. What key is it in? Uh, let's see. Uh, B, right there. Yeah, B. Oh. Something like that. So... Okay, yeah, that, yeah. That's definitely a bass riff. Like um, you can definitely play it on on a guitar, but then mm-hmm. it's a bass riff played on the guitar somehow. It's a bass line, yeah. you know. But we haven't addressed really the the bass line. We have a little bit because it was really my my gateway to riffage was these bass yeah. li- bass lines. Which bass line uh, was it? Uh, it was uh, MC Hammer. Was the very first one. Do 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 do. Dude, can't touch this. And then uh, I don't know it. <laughs> and then and then that uh, the Pete Gunn theme from from Blues Brothers. Oh the, yeah, the yeah, game yeah, game. yeah. So those are very much typical bass lines. And I still like really dig a groovy bass line. I think it's uh, very much at the center of what a riff is in a way. You know, mm. a melody and what? a beat. But it's funny because I I didn't even know uh, kind of what the bass was, but I did hear. You know, like uh, this, the way, I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's like, it's, it's there and it's so uh, in the pocket, you know, that's what, that's what you, how you, when you talk about bass, like where you want the bass to be, it's in the pocket. Like really, uh, it's, it should be nothing wrong with it. I mean, the, the guitars can play, make as many mistakes as as they want, but the bass should always be, you know, it has to be perfect. Maybe that is, I don't know if you agree, but it, it is a difference between like what, what the bassist is allowed to do and what the guitarist is allowed to do. Uh, generally, uh, of course. Yeah, I do agree. And I think also the way I see it is that the bass has the mission of marrying drums and guitar. Yeah. So you have to be a bit of a team player or at least be a bit of a listener. You need big ears to be a good bass player. And when I did my recent uh, bass playing um, session with Blood of Jupiter, of course it was more of a doom kind of band, but uh, I noticed quickly that I couldn't 
do everything. Like a few things, if I do them, you'd lose a part of the foundation of the house, so to speak. Yeah. And many guitarists playing bass have a problem doing this too much. Like, and like, where's yeah. the foundation now? You kind of pull the rug out of from under my feet. And that's, the, mm. that's what the, the, the audience gets and that's what the drummer and guitarist gets. So you really have this kind of responsible position in a rock band playing bass. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, but but that's maybe what makes it so exciting when the bass finally takes like center stage in a song. Yeah. Um, I think I think I must say it can be quite different live uh, because it's for. I mean, maybe I notice the bass because I'm like a big nerd. But generally, people are like, "Oh, the bass solo." I like. I don't know where to listen. You know, like it's not they don't they feel the bass. I mean, they, I mean, they they really enjoy it with the drums, like you say. Yeah. But when the when the bass takes center stage, you know, if it's not really like a, you know, bass-driven band like Primus or, or something where people know, sure. like, yeah, it's going to be bass, bass. But, um, you know, where, where it just like goes into a bass solo and like ev- everyone kind of loses interest. I think that that's what I feel. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a danger. Uh, that's why I love Johannes Setteberg. Uh, yeah. For instance, his his take on the <laughs> the bass guitar, I think really it's really good bass. Player, uh, but he's super rhythmical as well, so he's really like he really keeps the pocket, keeps the mission uh, accomplished, mm. so to speak, even while he goes wild with the, you know harmonics and tapping or whatever he would do. But he's always yeah. there, fulfilling his duty first and foremost. Kind of like uh, one of my favorite bass players. He's not a similar player, but he said the similar thing. Uh, Paul McCartney, like, oh, I was tempted there. You know, I was tempted to go up to the twelfth fret, and I did. But you shouldn't do that too often, you know, because <laughs> you're always tempted to, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's also it, great that, in pocket. Yeah, but that's, uh, dear listeners, uh, it's a good trick when you're you're heading up for the um, uh, for the chorus, and uh, especially like maybe not the first chorus, but. Uh, uh, to jump an octave, like, uh, or jump yeah. up to the twelfth fret, you know, like. Uh, yeah, you know, you really get. I mean, because then, then it's so, so then it's surprising. In the, I mean, now I'm talking about bass, like, like for for um, like how people who don't know who can't tell the instruments apart you know like right. the people who like dave grohl said like white people dance to the ly- uh, dance to the lyrics which is yes. like really funny it's really funny it's one of the better uh, things really he said. it's kind of true yeah uh, i mean he's he's guilty of it also like making yeah. those kind of songs <laughs> for sure um but anyway i mean but there are of course genres where uh, like funk where the bass is super important it's like front and center um but yeah. in rock, I mean, the, it can really be like be. I mean, I mean, the okay, you know, the most uh, jarring example of the bass being left out, of course. Yeah, <laughs> we know it, and justice yeah. for all. And that's sad because we didn't say it in the episode, but that there was a release before with Jason Newsted, Garage Days Revisited, and it sounds killer. It's so good. It sounds yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the best productions ever. It sounds like Pantera did like six years later. So uh, if you like Metallica and haven't checked it out, checked it out, check it out. It's really cool. And th- there you get a lot of Jason. But something happened then, you know, probably with Lars and James being uh, jacked up, drunk, yeah. uh, uh, worn out, griefing, young. Uh, just a lot of combinations where you might not do, be the best decision maker, I think. Metallica, coming back to you in Getting for Riffs again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about you, you as a bass player as well. Um, that uh, I think the way you play the bass, you don't play it as you play guitar. There is a difference. Uh, mm. We had uh, we featured the song "Bad Dreams" uh, a while back, uh, where you play bass from a small small time project. We had like a, a, a daughter project of Reverend John Loth called Liver Lung. There in the end, you do a, you pull a little bass solo too, which is actually really groovy and nice. It sounds like um, Atomic Swing. I don't remember it, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I do. I, I think I kind of, but like my first aspirations when I, I I was picking between three instruments, really, 
And the first one was impossible. I wanted to play the B3 or organ. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, my parents were like, no, <laughs> no, that's no, no, oh, really, really, really that's so not going to happen. Uh, but, but then it was either bass or guitar. And I was really close to picking the bass. I thought that um, it was something, it feels like something that I would be, it would be really hard. Like you go for these big, huge strings, you know, like a bass, bass looks intimidating. It's you know, quite like physical it, it, to play. Sure, sure it's four, four strings uh, and it looks like there's a lot of space to play, but I mean, they're huge. You get tired from playing it. It's yeah. uh, it's really a sure. And then guitar, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, but then you can play more stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I always uh, enjoyed the bass and I always enjoyed the walking bass line, like, you know, that our, um, our fantastic bass player in Reverend John Loth, Lance Hammond Hammond. Yeah. Coming, uh, coming down from Uppsala to bring the... <laughs> Rumble bring of a the, world coming down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was always uh, very happy when he, he really understood what to do uh, with my chords that I played on the yeah. guitar. Like, yeah, I didn't almost didn't have to tell him. He just, like, noodled away in, like, the most beautiful fashion. He was silly good. Oh. We had a really good rhythm section for being, like, a, an absolute garage teenage band. Because yeah. we were. We were <laughs> teenagers. Maybe Lance yeah. Hammond Hammond had hit 20, I think. But the, the rest oh. of us, we were teenagers at it when we started. But, and, but uh, I, did, I did write a really good bass line, I must say. Yeah. yeah. It, it works That's straight up for something like um, high visibility era uh, helicopters. <laughs> they, they, they would have worked great with that one a little piano clink coming in and then a song about exactly. him being a sad drunk figure in Stockholm or something <laughs> carry me home you know yeah it's, it's exactly. a cool I mean, instrument oh, base and it, I like that you addressed that it's actually quite physical I don't hear many people talk about this but when again when I did this session first thing I realized was okay this is more taxing on, on, on my physique than guitar by yeah. far you know I got blisters on my fingers of course and uh, I I managed to like just to to do everything I wanted to do. I had to move my hand way more as, as well, right? Yeah. Because it's a longer scale, and you have to push harder because it's thicker strings. So you know, it's it's a physical instrument. Definitely, uh, well, it, I agree. And uh, the times I played bass live, it's also, uh, but I also think it's fun. I mean, you can't really hide, but you can kind of rest, you know, in the notes. Like you hit the note. Uh, then you're like, oh yeah, I I hit it, you know, like in the yeah, right. You shouldn't do that too often, but uh, it's very nice in the in the in, 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 yeah to have a rest within. I did that too again in that band because the guitarist is just and I can't do that all the time on the bass. It would sound stupid. So I did a lot of this. Uh, stayed in this hip hop pocket, you know. Yeah. something like that yeah and that is uh, maybe that sounded really like the riff for today and uh, I think I have a uh, well it's not really a story but it's kind of a, a place uh, where I was um, 12 15 years ago when I was 25 I was working in a in a store on Jotgatan in Stockholm kind of feeling like life was going nowhere I was selling fabric and uh, they had uh, like a very limited uh, ipod full filled with songs that were approved let's say you know like mm. uh, background music and uh, when i closed up uh, for the day always i played uh, like satiricon super super loud actually <laughs> nice. uh, closing up and then one time my boss came back and i really fast had to turn it out uh, turn it down but she she noticed and she was like yeah hey, you can't play this music <laughs> I, I i love her I, I, I really she's really great but she was really like uh, concerned with her band you know and it was sure. really kind of famous um so it wasn't really approved let's say but one song that they had was uh, 
and uh, that one, I think the the whole album is uh, is pretty good. Moon Safari by uh, Air, sure, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, present the band maybe. Nicolas Godin and uh, Jean Benoit Dunkel, I think you say, and uh, they kind of have this um, background. Uh, uh, that is kind of you're not surprised like uh, Nicolas uh, studied architecture and uh, Jean Benoit he studied mathematics and then they formed a band uh, and their uh, uh, the name is an acronym of uh, Amour Imagination Rêver which translates to love imagination and dream and it's pretty much I mean you don't really need to know more than that about the band uh, they made uh, they made the uh, soundtrack uh, for um, uh, Sofia Coppola. Her these two films that are very good, The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation. They worked on that uh, those two films, um, and they kind of artists, you know, like uh, all, again quintessential French electronic duo. They are. Uh, <laughs> we return to. But they really are. I really, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy this music a lot. I mean, it doesn't, um, you know, it's not the most exciting music, but it's kind of such a good lean back from when you've listened, uh, you know, to Transylvanian Hunger or Panzerfaust exactly. the whole day. And you want to, uh, you know, relax a little bit. And then you just like, uh, it's perfect, no? It's a nice, just a nice mood. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to stop, actually. Hard to stop. Yeah, I can't play it, but uh, I would like to. It's a song I would like to play. I like lounge music. I think it's underrated. I always mm. liked it. You know, yeah, why, it's why, super, not? It's why not have this nice, soft mood that you can sink into? Exactly. Everything doesn't have to be so stressing to the point all the time. Yeah, but I did introduce Gain It For Lounge. Uh, That's right. Yeah. A lot of episodes ago, but uh, you you began an episode with a very laid-back uh, yeah. guitar. I don't know what happened later in the episode, what, what it turned into, but it was really sweet. Yeah, um, it turned into The Doors, but it was a uh, autumn The Doors, leaves. yeah. Uh, there's oh, yeah. A, this jazz standard that I played. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. Very good one, yeah. Oh. A lot of nice chords. Also in this kind of similar key to, to this one, but a little bit more chords. Anyway, yeah. lounge music cool music necessary sometimes you know not only for Definitely. relaxing i can use it for you know being active being out um, on maybe not in the gym but definitely out walking or biking i can definitely listen to some good old lounge gaining it for lounge yeah so i was standing in the store you know like no i was working not the weekends when people actually came there but in the weeks weekdays uh and it would be maybe a good day one a Japanese tourist would come in and buy stuff for uh, 3,000 kroner, but uh, <laughs> some days there was nothing. You know, it was really, really boring. And uh, like my most, the, the, like the most, I don't know, there was kind of the moment that was like crucially, uh, the, the lowest point was when Niklas Frisk of Atomic Swing came in uh, <laughs> and he started browsing and I was like, ah! to talk to him and i went over and like he was like immediately oh some nice fabric here with some nice patterns i wonder how it would look as a suit for a dog <laughs> what <laughs> what am i standing here talking to one of my idols about suits for dogs <laughs> i saw a dressed up dog yesterday and the dog looked really self-important too like <laughs> I'm, I'm dressed up hey <laughs> <laughs> oh you know i mean it just was like heading nowhere and uh finally i got fired which is uh, i don't know i just didn't have it in me to stand there and it, it was maybe the best thing that ever happened to me because then i i didn't I know started. that you had been fired at one point yeah i no, kind of i was I tried also to collect like, friends uh, i tried to collect friends that have also been fired at some point mm. you know it feels good because they're not they usually some a lot of them are talented and good and even disciplined guys uh, more so than me but they still have been fired you know yeah no but it, i i have to i have something to say about this uh, i think it's important it's like 
it's important to realize when you're not heading anywhere. I mean, the, we're back here with uh, like Fenris and uh, right. I think this is maybe the pathos of this episode, if anything, that um, uh, when you do, when you're stuck in a rut and you don't realize that the best thing that can happen is that you get fired from your job. You have to look somewhere else. Um, yeah. You have to. You go into a totally different uh, area. You explore something, and you maybe do. You do the things that the safety of uh, the salary that uh, prohibited that that stopped you. Mm. So I, for me, I, I started. I went to art school, and I moved to Amsterdam, and uh, met my girlfriend, and uh, got a kid. You know, and I'm uh, yeah. renovating an apartment. I mean, I started a started a riff podcast. We, you dear listener, the listener knows even about your uh, your, your the, the the session where you met your girlfriend, right? So you can listen back yes. to that one, King Tough and Mastodon. It's a good episode. I recommend it. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think this is uh, maybe the key that uh, that you also why you feel it's it is interesting, you know, that people get fired, and maybe like I think it's the the maybe the most important. Thing that can happen to them more way more important than getting hired is yeah. getting fired right you know like this is like when you were because you're often hired for something that you don't really know you don't have the capacity for mm. i mean that's how it should be you you're taking a bit um um a bit of a you're, you're water over your head now to say <laughs> uh you you're biting off a bit more than you can chew which is good but uh, if you kind of fake it along and you're not making any progress and you're not doing the work good, just like barely, I mean, you shouldn't be there. Like, what's the point? It's correct. And I think yeah. you... Because you, you do want to, as you say, you do want to bite off a little bit more than you can chew because you want to grow into it. Uh, yeah. You don't want to become like over over uh, qualified uh, in time. You want to be qualified in time. So it's something to grow into. But obviously, uh, we all have our goods and our bads and you will know when you're not in the right place i think you can feel it right mm. well i i would say that you can but you're the thing is when and why i think getting fired was so important is that i didn't dare you know to quit because what what would mm, i do then yeah. i mean, had no right. salary like i got an apartment because i had a job uh, you know, it's, it's so it's so scary. I mean, and I, I don't want to put it lightly now when people are getting fired left and right because of the pandemic. That's a, that's well, that's a different thing. It's yeah. a different thing, and uh, you know, that's that's uh, it's not the same. But uh, it can be the most important. You know, it's a, like a really forced life change. Um, a, a very grateful for my boss for firing me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely, and you should definitely think of it as, as as a possibility as well, opening up if you're ever in that situation. Maybe now, again, it's a bit different because you might even be happy where you are and you can't be there because of the pandemic. But I think uh, this kind of, you know, it kind of wraps the episode in a cool way because we have here two duos, quintessential in their own genres, one French, one Norwegian, and okay, a third one, a Swedish one, you and me. <laughs> we got the duo episode. And then about this with jobs, because I always almost got fired after we played another French duo, Justice, <laughs> super loud, almost exploding the PA and stealing um, drinks from the bar. Both of us, actually, but that's prescribed now. Or prescribed, proscribed, I don't know. It's too long ago, we can admit. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't lose my job, but it was close. And there was another French nice. electronic duo. And then after we played a duo with drums and metal. So it's all yeah. there, right? Everything is coming around again and again, even in a strange combination such as Air and Dark Throne. <laughs> yeah, cool. F, F, F to B. Yeah, it's classic, no? Well, it sort of worked. You know, <laughs> I think it was just as good as any of my uh, um, double riffs in the past. All right, uh, I think I just play uh, one round of this riff so uh, to uh, to round off this part. Uh, here we go.
dear listener. Yeah, oh, yeah, we should uh, wrap it up verbally too, or have we already? Uh, yeah, I guess if you like it, tell friends that may also like it. I see a bit of growth lately, and I'm so happy to see that more people listening in different countries all over the place. Maybe a few of those cousins have come around to it. I don't know, but keep it up, guys. Very happy to have you listening. Yeah, and if you like Air Throne, you uh, like our pod. Air Throne. <laughs> Earthrone, pandemic special, lockdown, extravagant, you're locked down, you're locked down. <laughs> Remember when I was in lockdown, couldn't go to Europe with my boy Kirk here. So sad, so this is for the people in Japan. For all your fans in Japan. <laughs> Such a sweetheart. I'm going to send us out to the UK and Ireland and Scotland I'm going to send this next song out to Europe Europe <laughs> Europe so many friends we miss you God so many friends so many places seems so weird to not be in Europe I know the summer exactly it's the first summer in like a million years man true okay this next song i'm gonna send out to all our sisters and brothers in south america talk about an awesome insane beautiful audience oh my lord oh. south america this is for you yeah you're right Since this is worldwide, I'm going to start sending this shit out. So, I'm going to send this out to the Japanese people. I am. This is for Japan, this next song. I hope everybody's enjoying their afternoon. I hope this is a respite from the crazy world it has become. Good God. But hey, man, as crazy as it is, just look for the good stuff. Look for love, man. And come with love. Start with that shit. Can we send this one out to the people in southwest Louisiana? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. We love you guys. Man. Yeah, everybody. Everybody got, how else can I put it? Everybody fucked by that goddamn hurricane, Lord. Mm. It's for riffs.